0: Though they nearly defeated Joe Burrow in his home stadium, the Seahawks were so close but couldn't quite take that victory cigar away from the former LSU national champion in a tough road loss. I'm going to be breaking it all down on our latest post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, the host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, as always, whether you're listening in Salem, Oregon, or Mexico City, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week we greatly appreciated the Seahawks nearly getting their first victory in Cincinnati in 30 years but unfortunately the streak has been prolonged a 17 to 13 defeat to the Bengals the Seahawks had numerous opportunities to win this game and unfortunately in a back and forth battle they couldn't make quite enough plays to get it done down the stretch i'm going to be diving into what went wrong and there's some positives coming out of this game as well particularly on the defensive side of the football We'll be looking at both sides of the ball, seeing what happened to the Seahawks today in their defeat, and of course, our game balls and our weekly three-up, three-down. All of that going to be coming up today on our post-game episode, so let's get to it. The Seahawks traveled to Cincinnati today to battle the Bengals at Paycor Stadium, and they were the underdogs going into this matchup, even though they had the better record, but the Seahawks they came out and they marched right down the field, scored a touchdown on their opening drive, Ken Walker the third, punching it in from a yard out, Seattle's up 7 nothing. Everything looked to be going to Seahawks' direction early, and then the defense gave up back-to-back touchdown drives, and suddenly the Bengals are up 14-7. to From that point, it was a very back-and-forth seesaw battle with very few points, and you can say the Seahawks' defense played outstanding. They certainly did, but what this game really boiled down to the inability for the Seahawks to finish they had five opportunities in the red zone for those coming in the second half the only time they were in the red zone the first half was that opening drive so they were 100 efficiency but after that point things changed for the Seahawks and suddenly they just could not finish their drives you look at the five red zone trips they had in the first half First drive, they started their own 25, marched down, get the touchdown in that 11-play drive. But in the second half, after Trey Brown intercepted Joe Burrow just three plays into the half, the Seahawks have good starting field position. They marched down. Geno Smith ends up getting intercepted, trying to force the ball to Jackson Smith and Jigbo with multiple defenders all over, and it was a bad decision to throw that football, given the coverage all over him. He was not open. And then they got a field goal the next time when they got down to the five-yard line, but they weren't able to turn that into a touchdown. And then they had two opportunities in the fourth quarter, including in the final minute where they got inside Cincinnati's 10-yard line. And both of those drives stalled out with the Seahawks having turnovers on downs. And there were a number of factors that were at play here. The offensive line, This was really a tale of two games for the offensive line. When they weren't inside the 10 or inside the 20-yard line of the Bengals, it seemed like the Seahawks' pass protection was pretty solid. There were a few big sacks given up in the first half that were outside of the red zone. But otherwise, it seemed like Geno Smith had time to operate, and he was able to throw the football from a clean pocket. But once they got into the red zone, whether it was because they couldn't run the football effectively, Ken Walker III had five yards on four carries in the red zone, side of that opening drive when he scored the touchdown. They were not able to get anything going, running the football. And Geno Smith today, you look at the numbers in the red zone, 30% completion rate. He was three for 10 inside the red zone today with that interception that he threw early in the third quarter, also took two sacks. One of them, Charles Cross is going to get charged with that. But as they mentioned on the telecast today, Cross actually blocked that fairly well working against Trey Hendrickson and Geno Smith had to spin towards Hendrickson because he had pressure coming from the other side where Jake Curhan got beat. And so we saw this happen multiple times in that second half where they're in the red zone where Geno Smith did not have much time to operate. And you got to give the opponent credit too. I thought the Cincinnati Bengals today did a fantastic job. This is a team that given up a lot of explosive plays, particularly in the run game. They didn't do that today, and I thought they played really sound coverage. There were a number of times where Geno Smith just didn't have anybody open, and so he had to eat the football or he had to try to run around, took some sacks as a result. There were a few times that the pressure got to him so quick that he didn't even have time to go to a second progression. So I thought the Bengals played a really sound game on defense. At the same time, your quarterback's got to be better than three for 10 in the red zone as Geno Smith was today, and he didn't throw any touchdowns. He's now got five touchdown passes for the season compared to three interceptions with two of them today. The other one I don't believe was his fault. He certainly could say there was a miscommunication aspect there that was on him, but it looked like he expected DK Metcalf to continue running inside, and Metcalf stopped his route, made it an easy interception for Cam Taylor-Britt, the young star corner for the Bengals so it was a rough outing for Geno Smith in that perspective when they weren't in the red zone he was pretty darn good today over 330 passing yards still completed 65 percent of his passes they had almost 400 yards of offense but really this game boiled down to the fact that it doesn't matter how many of those empty calories that you have if you're not able to finish the deal and they weren't able to do so after that opening touchdown drive where they marched right down the field they scored six points the entire rest of the game and when you have three drives that are at the Cincinnati eight or closer and you get no points out of them as they did in the second half that is a recipe for disaster and the fact that they still had an opportunity at the end of the game with all the mishaps they had made that really leads to the positive coming out of this game for me It's the Seahawks' defense, and early on, it looked like this was going to be a long afternoon. They gave up back-to-back, long touchdown drives. Joe Burrow finishing both of them off with touchdown passes, and it looked like the Bengals were going to be able to put up a 40 or 50-burger in this game with the way they were moving the ball. But Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator, made some adjustments. The pass rush started to come to life a little bit. The secondary made some big plays, including Trey Brown's interception. You look at the numbers after those first two touchdown drives. They gave up 87 net yards, not even 100 yards on offense in the final nine drives. And obviously that included the kneel down at the end. But the eight drives that were not the end of the game, they gave up fewer than 90 net yards. They forced six punts. They had three points they allowed. And that was after Geno's second pick where the Bengals were starting around midfield. So they were already put in a bad spot on that possession and they still were able to hold uh, hold serve there and hold the bengals to a field goal instead of a touchdown that kept the seahawks in the game they had three sacks in the second half draymond jones being one of the guys that had one of those so i think that that is the big positive coming out of this game this is two games in a row that we've seen this defense show up and against the giants the giants have not been able to score points on anyone so there were there was plenty of skepticism going into this game Are the seahawks gonna be able to slow down Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. The fact that Jamar Chase had 13 targets, only had six catches in this game. Did he get a few big plays early on? Absolutely. But Devin Witherspoon, three pass breakups. He had two of them in coverage on Jamar Chase. They tried to force it to Jamar Chase early in the third quarter on a deep ball, and that was the one that Trey Brown intercepted. So I thought the secondary played well. We got to see Jamal Adams come up and blow up a running back on a swing pass on a third down for a tackle for a loss that led to another punt in the second half. He had a quarterback hit in his first full game back from that torn quad tendon. So there's a lot to be excited about on the defensive side of the football, but that just makes this that much tougher to swallow that they couldn't find a way to win this game because when you hold a healthy Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company, you hold them to 17 points. You have to like your chances of winning that football game. And unfortunately, when you go one for five in the red zone, for touchdowns you're gonna have a really difficult time winning any game let alone on the road they had so many opportunities and it slipped away from them if you're looking for a silver lining at least the 49ers got upset by the Cleveland Browns but at the same time the Seahawks would have really liked to have this win on the road because they'd only be half a game out of first place in the NFC West but at least they don't have to worry about falling further behind there with this defeat a loss that certainly was disappointing but it was a hard-fought game and the defense played really well for the Seahawks. So there are some silver linings, but at the end of the day, this is a bottom line business. And this could be a game later in the season Seahawks look back upon like, man, if we could have just finished one of those drives with a touchdown in the red zone, that one win could be a big difference maker for them competing for a division title or even a playoff spot by the end of the season. Coming up next, I'm going to dish out my weekly game balls looking at the players that excelled today for the Seahawks on offense, defense, and special teams might have a surprise pick or two thrown in there as well. Don't go away. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. Which is brought your way by our friends at Jace Medical. Two years ago, I randomly got sick during the middle of the day on a Sunday and I didn't want to have to rush to an urgent care to get a big medical bill. Thank goodness for the Jace case. Jace Medical has immediate antibiotics that I could use to get myself feeling better fast without all the upfront costs associated with heading to an emergency room or an urgent care. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand And it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there As always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, we greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, it's not going to be a victory Monday, but I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang, and the two of us will be dishing out our Monday musings, in-depth takeaways coming out of today's loss for the Seahawks in Cincinnati. We'll look at offense, defense, special teams, and we'll be answering your mailbag questions as well. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to our weekly game balls now. This is kind of an interesting one when you're looking at the offensive side of the football because the Seahawks did put up over 380 total yards in this game. Geno Smith had 330 plus passing yards. They didn't run the football very well. First half was okay. Ken Walker the third, 46 rushing yards on 10 carries in the first half. 4.6 per carry. If they could have sustained that, I think the Seahawks win this football game, but against a Bengals defense that really struggled all year to defend the run, they weren't able to get much going in the second half. The Bengals really stuffed the run game. They were winning at the line of scrimmage, and so that made the Seahawks somewhat one-dimensional. I think that did play into the fact that they were not efficient in the red zone still. Some difficulties in the passing game that you're not anticipating with the talent that they have at quarterback and at the receiver positions, but I went a little bit into left field for my offensive game ball. Tyler Lockett was my initial pick, and Lockett almost had 100 receiving yards. He had his best game probably since the Detroit game when he scored two touchdowns in that overtime win at Detroit over the Lions. But I'm actually going to go with another receiver because we saw DK Metcalf leave the game briefly. He had a decent second half, but another game where he was somewhat quiet for most of the game. Jackson Smith and Jigba had a solid game, with almost 50 receiving yards, but didn't light the world on fire. I felt like the player that really gave the Seahawks a spark. And unfortunately they only got three points off of his two big plays today, but I'm going to give Jake Bobo some love his first player of the game in a regular season. And he had 43 receiving yards on two receptions, but it was the type of receptions that he made. And again, this offense after the opening drive, they were struggling to find that consistent spark and they couldn't finish drives. It's unfortunate that Bobo couldn't get in the end zone in this game, but his first catch, it was third and eight. This was right after Trey Brown's interception, and Geno Smith fires a missile, and it's just past that first down marker, but Bobo was not satisfied with a nine- or ten-yard game. He turned around and – I'm gonna make this reference, it's gonna it's not gonna make a lot of sense here, but he kind of put on a Debo Samuel clinic after he caught that ball. He turned and he broke not one but two tackles, and he was driving multiple defenders. All the way down to the Bengals five yard line so you're seeing the physicality that you just wouldn't necessarily expect he is a big body receiver but he was barreling through tacklers after that and it felt like you know that's something you expect to see from somebody like a Debo Samuel or a Jamar chase on the other side where they're creating a lot of yards after the catch that's not necessarily something Bobo's known for but. That really fired up the sideline. It's unfortunate that a couple of plays later, they had a big penalty that set him back, and then Geno Smith got intercepted, but he got him all the way down to the five yard line. And then later in the quarter, another big reception where he took a helmet to helmet hit from safety Dax Hill and got up with a huge smile on his face. He's like, I know I just got his penalty yardage. And that got him back inside the 10 yard line again. At least this time, they were able to turn it into three points with a Jason Myers field goal. So, it stinks that they couldn't get a touchdown off of either one of those. But this was a game where there wasn't really a player that jumped out to me where I felt like this guy had a phenomenal game on offense. Lockett, you could maybe make that argument for. But it's still it felt like a quiet 90-plus yards receiving for him until he had the 36-yard of the end of the game. And it didn't matter. They didn't score points off of it. I just thought Jake Bobo really gave this, gave this offense a spark. And I think the more Bobo movement now has carried over into the regular season. I mean, they're getting good production. When he's getting targets, he is making something happen. His first catch day, he ended up leaping way up and high pointed the football he's showing. He doesn't have to have the ball right in his chest. He has really good hand eye coordination. And we saw the after catch ability. So Jake Bobo gets the game ball in a game where they only put up 13 points, but He was a player that really jumped out to me that I felt like if you watch the run blocking he brings every week and what he's now doing in the receiving game, the more Bobo movement I think needs to carry over into their game planning, which is crazy with all the receiving talent that they have at that position. On the defensive side of the football, this one was pretty simple for me. There's a number of players that could have been considered. I thought that Draymond Jones had a big game. I thought Jared Reed played really well again. What a resurrection it's been after what I thought was a pretty down year for him in Green Bay last year. But this one's got to be Trey Brown. You want to talk about a guy that stepped up to the plate. He missed the last couple of games with a concussion. The bye week came at the perfect time for him. But early in the second half, you got to see him against Jamar Chase in the outside. And I didn't think the throw was necessarily great from Joe Burrow, but Trey Brown was able to turn. He was right on the hip pocket of Jamar Chase it was a deep ball down the right sideline and Burrow underthrew it a little bit. Brown had outstanding coverage, turns, intercepts it. Second pick of the year, the Seahawks get the football back and they should have scored there. Unfortunately, that was what led to the interception for Geno Smith on the other side. So both quarterbacks getting picked early, but Brown also made another play that I thought was huge that unfortunately now is going to kind of go under the rug because the Seahawks weren't able to capitalize on it. But after the Seahawks got stopped with 2.03 left to go in the game, there was a two minute warning and two timeouts. The Bengals had third down, decided to throw the ball, trying to win the game. And T. Higgins was going up against Trey Brown, and Higgins looked like he had the catch. He did push off. That penalty was. Flagged the Seahawks declined it but even while getting pushed by the offensive player Brown recovered when Higgins had the football he high pointed it and he ended up punching the ball out of his hands for an incompletion that stopped the clock and it kept one timeout available to the Seahawks they only had to burn one of those two timeouts they had to start the possession and that was a huge play the Seahawks then marched right down the field They used their timeout when they were trying to scan the field a little bit and they felt like, hey, let's talk this over. The Bengals had just burned one of their timeouts and unfortunately it didn't lead to points. That is the common theme in this game. But you had that big pass breakup, you had a big interception, and Trey Brown was all over the place. I thought it was a fantastic effort by him. I thought Devin Witherspoon played really well as well, but – he had the interception Brown did. He also had that key pass breakup. So to me, he was the player of the game when there were a number of different players you could have considered, but he was the one that jumped out that came up with really clutch plays for the Seahawks on defense and kept them in this game, gave the offense time and time again, opportunities, and they just couldn't cash in and on special teams. This is now the third time in five weeks that I've picked this player, but he continues to impress me. I think we got to give some love again to DJ Dallas, who. I will say this, he almost lost this last punt return he had. There were a couple Bengals players shooting down the field. He probably should have fair caught that, but he has become more bold. He's become more aggressive returning punts, and it is paying off for him. On the previous punt return, he sliced through the coverage team for a 23-yard return that set the Seahawks up with really good field position. I just love the decisiveness and the physicality that we're seeing for dj dallas on punt returns this is not a guy that is going to blow by guys with four three speed he doesn't have that kind of athleticism but he's a bruiser he's thick he's powerful and he just has that mentality to be a punt returner. i feel like he's really coming to his own this year and going into this game he had one of the highest punt return averages in the entire nfl And that only went up this week with that 23 yard return and Again, the Seahawks hit so many big plays on defense and special teams today, and they weren't able to do anything with that on offense. And that's what makes it so disappointing. But Dallas also added a tackle, so you can see the all-around value, one of their best special teams players. But I think he's been one of the biggest the most improved players in this team in terms of what he has done in the past, what he's doing now, returning punts and kickoffs. And it's been exciting to watch him be more bold back there. I think you've got to have a little bit of that aggressiveness. And that I don't want to say riverboat gambler, but you've got to be willing to take chances as a punt returner if you want to be really good. You want to be smart about it. But I like the fact that he's not fair catching everything when there's like 10 – yards separating him between a defender like he did earlier in his career. And we're seeing the results now. He is a solid returner. Maybe he doesn't have the home run hitting speed to return one for a touchdown, but he can give you 20 plus yard returns. We've seen it several times this year and he did it again today for the Seahawks. So continues to be one of their best special teams players. Coming up next, I'm going to look at my 3 up 3 down weekly stockwatch, which players are hot, which ones are not coming out of today's loss to the Bengals. Don't go away. You're listening to the post game edition. Of locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit. My entry in less than 60 seconds. This week on Prize Picks, I selected Tyree Hill to surpass 100 yards against the Panthers. I actually haven't had a chance to see whether I ended up winning that one or not, but Price Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use the code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedInNFL, and use the code NFL for a first deposit match, up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget tomorrow, it's our weekly Monday musings. We wish it was a victory Monday, but still going to be plenty to break down. In-depth takeaways after we watch the All-22 what we saw in the Seahawks loss to the Bengals at Paycor Stadium on offense, defense, special teams, and maybe some coaching tidbits in there as well. You won't want to miss it. It's time for our weekly three up, three down. As always, for a three up, the players who are coming out of this game hot, and we don't have repeats. So the people that got the players the game, they're excluded from this, but the players that had big games that we need to have a discussion about, and of course, on the flip side, when you have defeats, there are going to be players that are going to be on the other side of the coin that are going to be looking to play better next week. So let's start with the players that are on three up. And this was a player I briefly mentioned talking about my offensive player of the week. I wound up picking Jake Bobo, even though he had half the catches of this other player I'm going to mention. He had almost as many yards with those receptions and the missed tackles, things of that nature. He also wasn't targeted on an interception, which isn't Jackson Smith and Jigba's fault, really. Geno Smith shouldn't have thrown that football. The Bengals did a great job of defending that route they had two defenders in the area that was never there that's on the quarterback but I want to give Jackson Smith and Jigba a shout out because this is a day where not a lot of players in offense really stood out but you actually got to see a few times where the Seahawks got Jackson Smith and Jigba open on some intermediate level crossing routes and he burned the Bengals a couple times had a 17 yard catch in this game had another one that he picked up first down. So. Those are the kind of things that we expected to see from Jackson Smith and Jigba going into the season. And a lot of the targets he had going into today had been around the line of scrimmage, which I don't think necessarily fits his skill set. He's not the twitchiest player, not a guy that's going to be able to take a bubble screen frequently and create big yardage after. He can do it occasionally, but his bread and butter is that intermediate game as a pristine route runner. And today we got to see some of that, and I thought there was some chemistry built that play with Geno Smith, that again, that's not on the receiver. Now, maybe he tipped off the route there a little bit early. I did think the timing looked a little off in terms of the motion going into the route. Maybe if they went back and looked at film, that's something that they can notice there. Maybe the timing was right, but it just didn't look right from the outset there. I'm not going to put that on the receiver, though. The defense did a great job covering that. I thought otherwise we got to see Jack and Smith and Jig make some nice catches over the middle. He created some yards after the catch. I saw him break through an arm tackle as well. So give a little love to JSN. It's been a rough start to his career, but this may be that positive step forward that he needed. And maybe that breakout game coming up, a really solid performance today that I think could be a good stepping stone for him. The other two players for me on the three up end of the spectrum, I can't include anybody else in offense because even though they put up 380 plus yards, you had two turnovers, you had more turnovers than you did actual touchdowns. And the office just wasn't able to finish drives. There were a lot of players that I felt like made some mistakes in this one. But on defense, Draymond Jones, Seahawks fans have been waiting for him to have a big game. And I don't know that i necessarily say this was a big game from a pass rushing perspective. He did get his second sack of the season, only one quarterback hit. But he had two really nice run stops in this game at the line of scrim- scrimmage. Seattle gave up 3.1 yards per carry again, the third time in five games. This run defense continues to impress it's just been a remarkable turnaround and draymond jones has been a part of that even if the numbers aren't necessarily showing up i thought today that he was clearly popping off of the screen as a player that was making a major impact the bengals were having trouble with him in the passing game and in the run game so a really solid performance for him only three tackles but he just he was so much more disruptive than even the stat line shows There were a number of plays made by teammates that were created in part because of the immediate penetration that Draymond Jones presented. And he's more physical and powerful at the point of attack than given credit for, too. And he's been a big part of the reason that run defense has been so much better. So give some credit to Draymond Jones, a player that I feel like fans have maybe been a little bit harsh with here early, who has made some nice pass rushes. You're going to start seeing those translate to more production for sacks and quarterback hits here in upcoming games. He looked healthier today after the bye week as well. And last but not least, I know he was the NFC Defensive Player of the Week before the Seahawks went in their bye, but how about Devin Witherspoon? Another really impressive performance. And I'll admit, and some listeners mentioned this and wanted us to talk about it on the show, we decided not to dedicate an entire segment to it. But DK Metcalf's comments about trusting Devin Witherspoon to be able to shut down Jamar Chase. Nobody's going to shut Jamar Chase down. But again, Chase was targeted 13 times and had six catches in this game. This was not one of his better performances, and one of the reasons that happened is because there were a few times – Joe Burrow tried to get it to his star receiver with Devin Witherspoon on him in coverage and Witherspoon got his hands on the football. Two of his three pass breakups were covering Jamar Chase. Now, one of those three pass breakups he had was off of his back. So maybe they should come up with a new statistic for that. He was turned around and he just hit off his backside, but he still had three pass breakups in this game. He had a really nice tackle in the run game for a two yard game. He continues to be an asset in that regard either on the boundary or in the slot. So this kid answered the call. I thought going into this game, how's he gonna res- how's he gonna respond from that NFC defensive player of the week? How's he gonna react, uh react to what DK Metcalf said and the fact Jamar Chase is coming in extra motivated for this game. And I thought he stepped up to the challenge and you can just tell he's having a blast out there on the field. His play has coincided with the Seahawks defense as a whole playing at a much higher level. So kudos to Devin Witherspoon. He is living up to the hype as a number five pick. He continues to make big plays, and it feels like at this point that he's going to have 20 pass breakups this year. He is constantly getting his hands on the football. He's physical, making tackles. You can blitz him. We didn't see much of that today, but he is capable of doing a little bit of everything, and he continues to showcase that on the field for the Seahawks. Now, other end of the spectrum, who's not hot out of this game? And when you lose, there's always going to be a few players that are going to be candidates for this. And so there were certainly some players that had rough days. I want to start off with a player that I'm not going to pin all of his struggles on him directly, but you got to have better efficiency from Geno Smith than what you got today. The interception of Jackson Smith and Jigba, I pointed out a couple of times already on the show that that play, that route never was open from the outset. So it just felt like Geno Smith was just force feeding JSN there and again, that's not on the receiver, but you have two guys in coverage that was not open from the outset. Gino should not have thrown that ball. He said that after the game, and it's 100% true. That was a throw that he has to be thinking, I wish I had back because that was never there. And then his other interception, again, I think based on what I've seen, and maybe there'll be a different explanation that comes out on this after they look back at the film, but It looked like he expected DK Metcalf to continue his route inside, and he stopped his route at the top. So it made it an easy interception for Cam Taylor-Britt. That was a miscommunication-related thing. But still, no touchdowns, two interceptions, a QB rating under 70. He did throw for over 330 yards. He was great for the most part in between the 20s. But in the red zone, completing 30% of your passes – That is just not going to get it done. And again, some of that is not on him. I thought the offensive line played poorly in the red zone today in run and pass blocking. They went from being pretty serviceable to good inside the between the 20s. When they got in the red zone, suddenly the Bengals were able to pin their ears back. Trey Hendricks and Sam Hubbard in particular getting after Geno Smith. B.J. Hill had a big game as well. Offensive line struggled, so some of that was a lack of protection, but you need better from your quarterback in Geno Smith. And as far as the other two players that are on my list here, I'm going to stick with all offense because I felt like the defense today played outstanding. When you give up 87 net yards on the last eight possessions that you had against an offense with the firepower the Bengals have, especially a healthy Joe Burrow. That is a fantastic performance. You hold them to 17 points. You should win that football game. And the Seahawks, unfortunately, couldn't get it done. But I thought the offensive line, as I just mentioned, and these are based off watching the TV footage. When I rewatch the All-22 tomorrow, I may change my thoughts on a few of these, but at this point, I've got Jake Curhan giving up a pair of sacks, and he had a really rough game. Sam Hubbard had a bunch of pressures, a bunch of quarterback hits in this game. He was giving Jake Kerhan all kinds of fits. One of Trey Hendrickson's sacks late in the game, as I mentioned, Geno Smith ended up spinning to his right, and Hendrickson ended up being the one to get the sack when Charles Cross had a pretty good block there. But it was because of the pressure coming from Sam Hubbard on the other side. I thought Jake Curran struggled. And B.J. Hill late in the game was dominating Anthony Bradford, the rookie. I have been heaping praise on him the last few games. I thought today was a clear rookie bump in the road. He struggled in this football game. The run blocking was not there either, especially in the red zone. They tried to run behind the right side. They weren't getting those blocks from Bradford and Curran that I thought they were going to get in this game. I liked that matchup for Seattle. Kudos to Cincinnati. They stepped up, they put their hard hats on, and they played really sound run defense. But the blocking was not there. Pass protection was a struggle with Curhan and Bradford combining to give up three of the four sacks that were on Geno Smith today. So they have to be hoping they can get Abe Lucas back. And I think Jake Curhan has done an admirable job. There's been a few games he's played pretty well. This was a rough matchup, though. Sam Hubbard got the best of him all afternoon long. Anthony Bradford, he's a rookie. There's going to be some learning curves there, and he's played well at times. But this was not his finest performance, probably the roughest game he has had in the NFL. And when your entire right line is struggling like that, it does put a little bit of a ceiling on what your offense is capable of do. It limits your playbook some. And I think you noticed that in the way that Shane Waldron called plays in the red zone today. Again, there's a number of guys that are going to have their hands in the cookie jar as far as taking blame for going one for five in the red zone. Geno, certainly the offensive line, uh, the receivers were not getting open consistently in this football game. And I think some of the concepts they ran, they were having a hard time getting guys open as well. The Bengals seemed very prepared, very prepared for what the Seahawks were going to be doing. So this is something where multiple people... We're to blame for this struggle. They've got to get it figured out, though. This is a team that was trending in the right direction in the red zone the last couple of games they took a big step back in this contest and I think a lot of it did have to do with that offensive line and certainly Geno Smith was hindered by that and made some decisions I don't think he normally would so this is something getting a little healthier on that offensive line with a Lucas coming back in the near future I think that is a game changer for the Seahawks they need to get both their tackles out there and hopefully they can keep them healthy and Bradford if he's going to keep playing he's going to learn from the experience he had today but unfortunately B.J. Hill is a very underrated player in the defensive tackle position, and I felt like that was a pretty one-sided matchup, particularly in the fourth quarter. In those red zone situations, B.J. Hill was as disruptive as any player on Cincinnati's front line. And that whole group was wreaking havoc getting after Geno Smith. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by my co-host and crime, Rob Rang, and we'll continue diving into this loss in Cincinnati. What went right, what went wrong for the Seahawks. More in-depth takeaways after we watch the All-22. You won't want to miss. And enjoy the rest of your Sunday and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.